What's going on, everybody? I'm Kevin from Cigar Prop, and each and every week we come to you live on the I Tap That Cigar Show on our YouTube channel. We interview someone fun and exciting in the cigar world, and then about a week later, we upload that audio to various podcasting platforms. That's what you're listening to now. We try and cut out a lot of the stuff that won't make sense because you're listening to it instead of watching it. But if something doesn't make sense and you want to watch it, in the description is the link that will take you to our YouTube so you can watch the interview instead of listening to it. But if you want to continue listening to it, thank you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the I Tap That Cigar Show presented by Corona Cigar. I am your host, Kevin Shahan from Cigar Prop, and I'm coming to you live from the Drew Estate experience has the studios here on the sunny gulf coast of florida joining me as always is my co-host care viajante kevin of stogie road cigars thank you how are you my friend not too bad how are you doing i'm doing fantastic i think i, I, I got to turn this light on it was uh i think it's uh i think i'm a little dark so uh yeah, yeah i think that's a, i think it's a little bit i dyed my beard so i got a lot of black going on is that what it is? Uh, so yeah, I so. thought your I thought your beard looked darker. I I I gotta I have to take <laughs> a moment to wish someone a happy birthday. Yes, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mister Lars Tetons. He's like the uh, wrestler that I can't remember the wrestler where they were like height unknown, weight unknown. Oh yeah, unknown. Yeah, age age unknown. So that that is that is Lars Tetons. So, uh, so happy 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 birthday, birthday, Lars. Happy birthday, Lars. Um, and then uh, uh, joining us in the background, that's who was talking. This producer Jessica. Hello. Hello. As always, handling all the uh, the thing. Ooh, she is smoking. Oh, that is a delightful room note. Oh, what do you? Oh, you got to ask her. You'll tell her. That, that, that's uh, it. Jessica, I, I, I got your back that, tonight, Jess. that cigar you're smoking has a delightful room note, Jessica. Will you inform us of the cigar that you're smoking? Yeah, uh, the dessert by Amendola. So the dessert. I haven't by... had this cigar in probably like I don't know. I want to say a year. Yeah, it's been it's, it's been, been a, a while. Been a long been a long time. What about you, Care? What are you enjoying tonight? Tonight, um, I am smoking in honor of his birthday. Um, the cigar that was made from Lars Teton's umbilical cord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lars, I mean, I. I want to say, like I said, there aren't too many manufacturers that have been in this industry longer than Lars Teton's. No, he's you know? been, he's been yeah. around. I he, I, I he, tell the story, man. You know, when I started smoking cigars, it was the mid nineties. I walked into a cigar shop, and that's when I had my first Lars Teton's. Yeah, I, I I was the very first person ever on YouTube to review a Lars Teton's cigar. So uh, yeah, it's been been a long time. So let's well, get I was right. The very first person in this group, yeah. that hugged Lars Teton's Lars. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you got to meet him in Karen, person. You Karen. got to try his cheese and his like sausage. He's like this one time at band camp. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that's how long Lars has been around. So yes. um, all right, let's get right into it with the Cigar Medics Humidimeter Cut and Light. Remember, with the Cigar Medics Humidimeter, you'll always know when to hold them and know when to smoke mm. them. Um, care what do you uh, Oh, no, you're already asked you what you're smoking. What yes. is your um, uh, your humidity? Solid 66, solid 66 for a 30 year old cigar, but 40 year that's pretty good. 
Yeah, I think this. I think he told me this one's twenty years old. I am a solid sixty-one percent on mine. I am smoking the uh, from our uh, show partner, Karen Burger Cigars. I'm smoking the K by Karen uh, uh, Maduro. Uh, remember, uh, there is a there is a description in the video and podcast link below. Don't forget your K by Karen Burger. Uh, uh, cigar passport, Florida cigar passport, over $850 in free cigars. You just got to email Bruce at KarenBurgerCigars.com. That may or may not be the correct email address, but the correct email address is in the video description below. Um, so grab that. And let me see who's on joining us with this night in the comment section. What's going on, everybody? Um, also, uh, so not to, so Wednesday... Two days from now, we're actually doing a, a very special show. We're doing another, the I Tap That Cigar Show, Impromptu Night Live. We haven't done one of those in a long time. Joining us will be Omar DeFrias of Fratello Cigars. We'll be talking about the new Vice Versa Cigar. So Ooh, Jessica, Karen, and I will be on that. and we'll be smoking. I got uh, I got my orders in uh, this, this weekend. We started shipping uh, today, and I have not had one yet. So what? I, this is actually... I had the entire day off today. It is 7.35 at night, and this is my first cigar of the day. That's terrible. It is. That's horrible. So. That's terrible. I do have a Lars Teton cigars for you. I have a Lars Teton cigar, which was one of the first cigars he rolled when he was uh, like eight. Yeah. <laughs> Got a, got a little handbag to go with that, too. I know he was in the... I think he was rolling... I think he's doing handbags, or was it doll doll clothing? Doll what clothing. The, for his Doll system. clothing. That's that's yeah, what it, yeah. that's no, what I it is. I think this one comes in like an A-team uh, lunch kettle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, no. Uh, this is a nice comment. Someone's getting excited for our guests. Matilde cigars were some of the gateway in the cigar. And I honestly... I, I, I had never heard of uh, a Matilde cigars. Really? Uh, or, or Matilde. Uh, depending on who you talk to, I mean, it's been a couple of years, but uh, Cigar Coop, William Cooper, um, uh, absolutely loves the company, loves the brand, loves the cigars. Um, I've had them in the past. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed them. I didn't have yeah. any for, for tonight's show. But yeah, it was a hearing uh, Coop always talk about him whenever he gets a chance. And then um, luckily we had some, uh, come, well, uh, when we were opening up this, this season, I'm like, you know what? Coop's been talking about uh, this company forever. Let's get this company on and um, and chat about it. So, Jessica, that that dessert cigar smells delicious. I'm sorry, it is I, driving it, me insane. I honestly, do I really didn't know what I wanted to smoke, and I just kind of haven't really been feeling the greatest today. And I was like, uh, maybe something a little sweet, but not like sweet. Yeah, this one has just such a nice balance to it. It it is good. It's been a long time. Good. I said I I do have a, a, a from our partners Amandola Cigars. I do have a natural. As well as my backup, mm. so um, backup, my back or my my second, not a backup. Why do you always say backup. I don't know. I always say backup. You know. So, all right. I think that's uh, I think that's enough chit chat. Anything got anything else to say? No. I got no so, more chit. I got no more chat to chit. But uh, right. I have had these cigars. These the Matilda cigars are, are really a good cigar. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait to try the uh, the the rest of them. I think I've only had a, a couple. I, I like their color coded. I love. Everybody knows me. I love color coded cigars, be it from Camacho, be it from Blackbird, uh, be it from any co company that color codes their cigars. You have won my heart because I can never remember the name 
of any of the cigars. I remember the colors. I'm like, give me the purple, give me the red, give Keep me the simple. orange. You know, it's very, very simple. So I love that. So, all right, before we bring on our um, our guest tonight, uh, let's uh, thank all of our uh, uh, show partners uh, for making this happen each and every week. So thank you to J.C. Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amandola Cigars, We Are the Muscle, Jake Wyatt Cigars, Illusione Cigars, Deep in Flavor, Deep in Your Mind, K by Karenberger Cigars, Corona Cigar, and of course, Drew Estate and Experience Acid. All right, so waiting patiently in the Experience Acid green room. First of all, Care, are we on different sides of the screen tonight? Are you always on my left? I, I just, I, for some reason, I looked at that. I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm always on the other side. I think so, too. So, okay. All right, so waiting patiently. I, that's all I had to say. Uh, so waiting patiently in the Experience okay Acid room, green room is Enrique Sejas of Matilde Cigars. It, What's going on? What is up, guys? How are you guys? How you guys doing? Good. How you doing? Is it Matilde? Matilde? I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. It's Matilde. Matilde. Okay, Matilde. Matilde, yeah, Matilde. Call Matilde. Matilde. Okay. Are you okay with me being on this side? I don't want to. Do you feel less? I think Ian's gonna get all confused and stuff like that. I'm gonna start like moving around. I feel like yeah. I feel like I'm in the in the pole position or the position power a power position. I don't want to. That, 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 that's it. It's very threatening up there. You because it, it looks like you're judging me, or actually you're judging me and Enrique from just you know from yeah. your position. You're just <laughs> kind of like it. Huh? That, Before that's we start it. the show, I'd like to uh, I'd like to provide some criticism off the bat. Yeah, that, that, that's it. All right, Enrique, where, where are you? Where are you coming from tonight? Where do you Where do you call home? I'm coming from my bunker in Dominican Republic, post COVID bunker. Este Dominican Republic. <laughs> Yeah, pre-COVID bunker, post-COVID bunker. Exactly. Yeah, it's, all, it, it's all it all works at the uh, the, the the same the same uh, uh, bunker. So um, let's get let's get right into it. We're gonna dive right in. Um, my note. I'm gonna apologize. My notes are all over the place. I have like five hours and like four pages of notes. I had so many questions because I've read so many articles and so many unanswered questions that I didn't know, and so. We may go back and forth. We may go into the future. We may come in the past. Care, I sent you some notes. I changed a lot of those, and I forgot to send you the you know <laughs> the updated ones. So I'll oh, so have the updated ones. Yeah. So okay. no, we just have moved some questions around, deleted some questions, and because uh, I'm uh, I don't know, I'm 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 super nervous for some yeah. reason. No, so basically, care just follow. Yeah, well, I, well, just I like mean, Kevin I, speaking. I, that's about it. It seems to be old notes. It says, "What was it like growing up in Detroit?" Yeah, yeah. Like 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 we're talking about like Coop hyped you up so much. Now it's in my back of my head that you're you're like this this this, this rock star. Yeah, so we're Coop's, gonna we're gonna Coop's we're, a great guy, man. Oh yeah, super super good dude. I don't know how he Coop does is. these shows for like three and a half, four hours. I don't know how that man, you know, how, how he does it. He never gets up and goes to the bathroom. Just he's just he's gonna he's, he's got eight. I'm sure he has one of those collectors, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm, speaking. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wow. sure, and I, and I, I went never, from Coop's a great guy to he's wearing yeah. adult diapers. Yeah, you know, and collection, and, not diaper. The one thing I, 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 I admire about him is um, his ability to remember. I don't remember anything. That's why I have six pages of notes tonight. You could say something to him, and he would go back. Oh, hey, yeah, that I remember that hat like seven years ago. You're at 
PCA. It was a Friday, you know, as uh, you're hanging, I'm like, how do you remember this stuff? You know, the, the, the guy. so, all right, we're going to go back. Uh, we're going to start off with your tobacco journey. Um, a lot of people hear your last name um, and they immediately think, I even have a hard time finding info on yourself because I, I would Google your name and like an article would pop up and 75% of the article is talking about your dad. I'm like, yeah. hey, you're, you're interviewing this guy, you know, and it's just, you're talking about your dad. So, um, and without, and, and if people don't know, your dad is uh, uh, in the Cigar Aficionado Cigar Hall of Fame. So um, That's correct. So uh, being co-owner of the company, uh, for people that may not know, can you give like two or three, four brands that they may not be familiar with, but, or they may be familiar with, but they don't know your dad was involved. And that's all we're going to talk about your dad. Okay, so basically anything out of this, Monty's, Romeo's, H. Eltman, Santa Damiana, there's a cigar line that uh, under his name called uh, Seja Signature, Mi Dominicana by Jose Seja's Onyx, uh, uh, Flor de, uh, de Copan, she did uh, Monte Cruz, a lot, of a lot of brands. Basically, my dad uh, built his way up to being the VP of Operations and Master uh, Blender for a factory called Tabacalera de Garcia, which is Altres uh, manufacturing facility in La Romana, which is where I'm from. Now and, that, that, uh, was, he, that was the largest factory in the world at one point, wasn't it? Is that, yep. what, is that what I read? That is correct. It's uh, My dad uh, got to manage, I think, up to 5,000 employees at a time. So it was the largest wow. factory in the world uh, during the boom. They worked 24-7. Uh, they had, uh, you remember the, the four-day shift, but they have 12, 12-hour <laughs> yeah. four-day shift. So we were doing that. Uh, so, yeah, he basically was his first job, started in 74 as an industrial engineer. His in, original job was as the industrial engineer in the department. Uh, at that time, they had crops from Connecticut and Pennsylvania, and they used to ship the crops to the Dominican Republic. And my dad was in charge of the engineering, uh, well, basically the sorting, the weighing of, uh, of the tobaccos once they were sorting and all that. Oh, wow. Built his way up uh, to become where he was. He first moved to the Canary Islands uh, to work in Tabacalera Insular. And that's where he actually started, uh, uh, you know, dipping his toes into manufacturing. I believe he had the opportunity to work with Benji Menendez at the time. And uh, then that manufacturing facility, that production got moved uh, to La Romana. And he worked under, I think it was seven different uh, ownerships, seven or eight different ownerships before uh, he retired in 2012. So with his only job, basically. Yeah, so it's, it's seven or eight different ownerships, but only like four people. You know, like the one guy yeah. kept buying, the one guy That's kept correct. buying the company, and then he kept reselling <laughs> it to make more money. You know, which That's is actually absolutely brilliant. So, so, so growing growing up, you know, with you know a cigar hall of fame dad, um, did you literally grow up um, in the tobacco fields, or did he kind of keep you away? Maybe let you just be a kid without being involved. You know, so or, well, you know, what, what, with us, it wasn't uh, the tobacco fields; it was the factory. El yep. Tabacalera has a, a a particularity that it was originally or founded and owned by Gulf and Western which were owners of Central Roman and Casa de Campo, and they also had a free zone. So Tabacalera is based in the southeast side of uh, the Dominican Republic. So it's just La Romana, the tourist side, which is uh, kind of weird, but that's how it was based. So I was mostly in the factory. Uh, my yeah. dad was uh, kind of a square guy, so he wasn't like 
you know, you can do this. It was always by the rule. I played uh, all the time. I was at the factory at all times and I played at all times, but I wasn't like, I wasn't smoking when I was 12, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. So what, what, what was, what would you do as fun for a kid? I mean, other when you weren't spending time at the factory, what were you and your friends uh, doing? What kind of trouble were you getting into in the, in the DR? Well, we had a beautiful section of the factory where they made us roll cigars for about five cents a cigar. And those were the cheap cigars at the, and no, we all, just any, any kid, we, we uh, played uh, La Lata, which is like a, a, a Dominican cricket, which you play with a, like with a, a can, a paint can and balls. It's to just play around at the house, uh, played sports, tennis, uh, golf, uh, hiking, just normal kid shit, man. And I also went a, a lot to the factory, just a rollerblade. Imagine this. Imagine having a uh, 50,000 square feet factory with cement polished floors. Oh, man. It was a fucking playground for rollerblading. So oh, we used wow. to go constantly just going. So I was always exposed to tobaccos and process and stuff like that. But as a kid, it was just as a kid. I knew, I knew my dad. Well, I mean, you didn't I, you never saw your dad as you know a cigar hall of famer or, or as a guy yeah, that you yeah. know, blended all these cigars it was just my dad you know just simple uh, so so what kind of what kind of jobs did you have growing up before you got into did you have jobs as your typical teenager were they regular jobs were you you know did, at one point as a teenager did you actually go to work at the factory or yeah i worked at the factory uh, my brother actually never worked at the factory i worked at the factory as teenagers I did all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I, I worked at the warehouse. I worked at IT department. I worked at with the tobacco sorting. I just all kinds of stuff. They were jobs, you know, just to keep you entertained as a kid. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the warehouse, the huge warehouses, I, I even got to break uh, break the metallic tubes, uh, play around. But like serious, 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 like 100% serious jobs, not not that much, just, you know getting to know a little bit more of a factory and spending time with my dad. And my dad was uh, very, very into the factory. He was a kid around that. It was four kids. I'm the youngest. Then my, <laughs> there's my brother, my sister, which is the eldest by by seven or eight years. And then the factory. And my dad was, you know, 24 seven of the factory. So, you know, we you know took any advantage, anything we could do just to, you know, go and, you know, sit down in my office you know, go around, uh, bike around and stuff like that. We were together with him. And he wasn't an absent dad by any means, but he spent yeah. a lot of time at the factory. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's 5,000 employees he, you know, he had to oversee. I mean, that that's a, that, that's not a, typical, yeah, not your typical nine to five it, job. Yeah, it yeah. is a lot. It is a lot. He made cigars. Uh, he, then he started managing the machine made operations after premium which was added on. And a lot of people don't know that factory at some point had a Revlon uh, lipstick factory in it. I guess it was really? on, when I was, when I was a kid, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, the story uh, behind it. Uh, but I remember there was like a section where they made the Revlon lipsticks and my dad has a, like a flag that was given to him, like for making 250 million uh, Revlon little things. In, in, in the same oh. factory as they're making cigars. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't lipsticks. It was just like the plastic stuff, and it was oh, okay, outside. 
No, no, not lipstick, lipstick. Just the, oh, well, okay, the that, cases, that, the cases. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, what know, does that would be that, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, why does this, up. yeah, yeah, sure. why, why, why does this, why does this smell? So, um, I know you're, you're, all, you're, all, fun, you're all bunching detail, go back over to lipstick detail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. But the, the, but a cool thing about that is that they, my, my, he was always kind of uh, inventing or kind of fix stuff and or make stuff better. And and I remember that that side had a a pneumatic press where they used to get the lipsticks and they put like a little metal thing, which I have no idea what it was for, put it in, and then the press would go and press it down. Right? If you ever uh, have a chance of touring uh, Tabacalera Garcia. They don't use uh, the presses, the hand presses, the molds. Every buncher has a pneumatic press. Like there's a line of pneumatic presses, and there's and they're there. They put the the molds there, and then they press a button. That button goes, will press it. It will last the time it needs to last, and it'll come up right up, so it's automatic. You turn it around, and you do it again. So it's I, I little think, things that I, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before mm. at a factory. Yep. So those are things that like he took from like from this uh, experience and put it into the cigars. I've always said uh, he looked at it as an industrialized art. It, it was always an art form. Right. And, and you never take that from a cigar. We make cigars the same way, you know, you make cigars since it was, you know, since the day of time. But he tried to add different things to, to, to make it uh, easier uh, just to try to make the cigars more perfect. If you think about it, if you're pressing the cigars at the perfect psi the perfect timing it just it keeps it gives more tools to consistency yeah i don't think i don't think other people do that but that's kind of things that my dad used to do you know yeah you know because if you're you know because you know we've all seen them like the hand wheels or the jacks that they're that they're pumping you know especially on a jack like a hydraulic jack you you don't know you lose that that feel that you know between your hand and those molds, you could be overpressing, you could be underpressing, mm-hmm. and you would never know. But if you if you dialed it in perfectly, like an mm-hmm. air an air cylinder, every single time, repeat it. And there's the other thing that uh, people like you don't take it you don't take it to account like like right away is uh, is manpower, it's your human yeah. resource. It takes times, you know. It, it's not as stressing as uh, having to do it. So you know, it's the little things. Little things add up. You know, pop, pop, pop. well, I mean, it does. I mean, even if you if you if you think about, you know, if it the time it takes, maybe you could roll two more cigars. We'll say two, and you have hundreds of employees. That's hundreds of cigars a day. Yeah, thousands okay, and cigar. thousands of cigars a week that are just that are essentially not free at that point, but essentially they're you know you know a, a lot less. Char- that's it, cha ching. <laughs> so, um, was your dad? Did your dad travel a lot as a kid uh, when you were a kid? Or is he mainly just, you know, being being with a big com- you know, a big company? Yeah, he, he traveled travel? a lot. Yeah, so, he traveled a he uh, he traveled a lot. I mean, I remember as a kid, younger, he didn't travel as much as uh, he stepped up into the role of VP of Operations and Master Blender. Uh, he became the face of of the company. So he was traveling, doing the events. Uh, he was, you know, promoting. Uh, they got people coming into the factories and stuff like that. But he didn't travel as much as, let's say, you know, Rocky is a, a famous traveler. Yeah. Or, or you know, other people. So he was more focused in the factory because he was a factory man, and he traveled as a extra, you know. But he was a factory person. He wasn't part of marketing. He was part of the operations in the blending and the manufacturing 
did you ever get to go with him on any of his trips no 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 no, uh, no <laughs> as i said my dad has always been uh, it was a work is work pleasure is pleasure so we traveled a lot as a family um but uh, i didn't travel with him towards uh the cigars and it was the same thing you know if you're younger i mean he was underage and stuff like that he wouldn't let us travel my mom traveled with him all the time he, he you know she she would be with him like constantly uh, so she had oh no go ahead so she didn't have to work. So we had the opportunity of she be able to stay at home and take care of us. So when he travels, she used to travel with him. Well, we used to stay at home. Okay. So so where did you, where did you guys go on uh, uh, like family vacations? Where was a uh, uh, big you know big big trips? What was one of your family vacation trips you remember growing up? We had uh, we've always been like the same place kind of people. So on uh, on summers we went uh, to Florida, Disney, and all that stuff. And then in winters, we used to go up to Breckenridge, Colorado, which is my fondest memories in the world. Ironically enough, uh, snowboarding is one of my favorite sports coming from the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, you don't, you don't get to do too much of that, you know, down, down there. Not you much. Know. Wakeboarding and stuff like that, not snowboarding. But there's something about snowboarding and skiing. Downhill skiing is something uh, It's pretty cool. But we did that for a long time. I mean, we, uh, I think we traveled as a family for 10 almost 10, 13 years every year as a family. I was like our family trip where my dad disconnected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, at least it was before technology, you know, so at least he wasn't on his phone or laptop, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, on the phone a lot, but that was about it. Yeah. Hey, you used to get a morning call, you know, call, call and then how, I think it was like he, he had about 12 managers. I believe they're still there. And, you know, every morning he used to wake up. Well, my dad always started with a morning meeting uh, with all the managers to see, you know, see every department, what was going on. And then they, they had a blending session or a tasting session every morning during the meetings. So he never stopped doing that. When we traveled, you know, he woke up in the morning. Everybody was in his office. He called uh, through the cell phone, which at that time was like a, a gazillion dollars in, in Rome. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, but he worked with a big corporation. So, you know, he could. Yeah. Do it. And yeah. Uh, and he just basically talked to each of the managers. Like, let me talk to uh, let me talk to Pedro. Let me talk to Victor. Let me talk to Fulanito. To just keep up to date. It was his passion. I mean, he he, he loved. He, my dad was a guy that uh, he was passionate for two things. He was passionate for making the best cigars in the world. I mean, you know, using the best tobaccos and and, and deconstructing and deconstructing the process to make the best and been passionate about people. And he landed a job where he could do both. So he managed 5,000 people, so he was able to change the life of, of a lot of people. Mm. Uh, he was the largest employer in, in La Romana, or my hometown, besides Central Romana. And, uh, and, he, and he loved what he did. As you know, his production, he loved it, and he loved his people. So he was always there. I mean, I was, it, was, it wasn't work for him. So he was always there, period. That's awesome. So, so when uh, you, you talked earlier, you, know, you didn't smoke your first cigar when you were 12. Where, where did where did your first cigar? What, what, how old were you and where were you at, you know, when you finally got to smoke your first cigar? Uh, my first cigar was not a cigar that my dad made. It was a cigar that uh, we, we got from uh, somewhere else. And it was actually smoked at uh, hiding uh, from my dad. Honestly, I don't remember the brand. It was, you know, as a kid, you know, you go, hey, I'm supposed to smoke this, you know. Yeah. And my dad smoked cigars. Let's take these. And uh, and we smoked them as, as kids. It's friends. I actually started smoking, smoking cigars. Uh, I, I I was still uh, underage. I was about 16, 17, and uh, I smoked cigarettes uh, before. And when my dad, obviously not my dad, not knowing, 
And when my dad found out that I was smoking, you know, behind his back, it, first of all, you get pissed off, you know, he gets pissed off. And then I say, you know what, if you're going to smoke something, might as well something great, you know, yeah. start, you know, start smoking cigars. I mean, I mean, at least do that. Yeah. And that's where I started uh, smoking, you know, once in a while. But I really got into cigars, you know, age about 20. And that's where I started smoking like a little more constant and stuff like that. And I just kept on going. So, so you were in college. So you, so you left, you went to college. Um, I think, uh, did I read right? You went to college in New York? Yeah. Rochester, New York. Well, okay. New York, upstate. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Upstate. Yeah. They always say upstate, you know, uh, you know, cares for, you know, he knows that. I always hear that. You know what upstate. upstate means, Kev? Upstate New York? Yeah. Upstate. That's all I ever hear though. I'm going you know upstate. What mean, you know what it means though? Do you know what no. It means? Okay. Sure. You don't know what it means? You know, what, just going, what does it mean? Just going, just going upstate. Upstate. It's just, it's just the bougie name, bougie term of just you know. No. I, no. It's no. It's the, it's, 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 it's the Hicks. rural area. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like yeah. Hicks. Like yeah, when you say the upstate, Hicks live out there, not yeah. the city people. Yeah, oh, okay. There's, there's New York City and there's upstate New York, which <laughs> and, is and all that's the rural area. Yeah, that's what I used to tell people. Like you, you study in New York, I'm like, I don't study in New York. I saw you in freaking Rochester. There's nothing yeah. to do there. Yeah, there's literally there's nothing, nothing to do there. I mean, we had a street full of bars, which is really fun, but there was not much to do. Definitely boring there. <laughs> so, 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 what, what did you go? What did you go to college for? Uh, business management, and then I did uh, marketing and uh, project management. So, what, what did you want to be when you, or what did you want to do when you get out? You know, did you, did you, you were, you know, did you want to be in the cigar industry? Did you want to stay in the states and do something else? You know, I, I always thought about winning the lottery and doing nothing. But yeah. I wasn't able to get that. And uh, <laughs> a great plan. Uh, yeah, it was a great plan. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I always wanted to work with my dad. It, it, it wasn't there, there's a there's a two way factor. The first factor is the cigar industry is a great industry. But the thing that actually attracted me most into the industry was uh, was my father uh, and the way he worked. And I just looking forward to learning everything that he had to teach. And, and it was a it was a promising opportunity. It was a place uh, where you had a lot of growth, right? So I uh, went to college. I came back. I worked. Uh, I, I've always worked with cigars. So before working at the factory, I worked in a, a distribution. So I did distribution in the Dominican Republic with the largest distributors here, which distributed my dad's uh, brands that he manufactured. Oh, okay. So I did uh, sales and distribution here in the Dominican Republic for a couple of years. And then after that, I went back to Rochester to do my master's. And always with a plan on coming back and, and working uh, with my dad on my dad's uh, umbrella, right? So once I uh, finished up uh, master's, I came back. And uh, the first thing my dad said, said, uh uh, not here. Uh uh, not coming here. Oh, no. You got go, you, you to go, go around, you got to do your rounds. So I spent the first year and a half uh, working in different places, uh, just learning the process because learning and living the process. Because I mean, being born and raised in, in a cigar uh, factory or cigar company, you know all the processes, you know how everything goes. You know, it's, it's simple, you know, it's there. But uh, I went uh, to Santiago and I spent three months, four months at the fields. I did from, you know, from the fields to actually doing the stripping, doing the selections and stuff like that. Then I was uh, shipped to Mexico with a good friends of uh, the Terence. Do the same thing, seeing what the process was like that with the grapper growing and all that. Uh, just seeing the whole process, spent about uh, three months there as well. 
Then I was shipped down to the States where I covered uh, the, actually the Florida territory. I covered for about, uh, about four months, just working on just, just getting getting my toes like in everything to get a, a deeper understanding. And then after that, I, I went to the factory and at the factory, I was, uh, had the opportunity to be a buncher for three months and a roller for three months, which, uh, is fucking tough. I can tell you, uh, it's, have you guys, I'm sure you guys have rolled before, right? You, you yeah, try to make a cigar terrible. before. Yeah. Then, you know, Kara's tried from scratch. I know Jessica's been at some events where they had the cigars that were already, uh, but how did the binder put on them? And then they teach you how to, yeah, to wet the leaves. I, I can't imagine and, doing any Oh yeah. And then, and then rolling. Did, but hard. yeah. Yeah, these these, so, these are not these are not the hands of a roller. Yeah, are, yeah. <laughs> that, that that that's it. Uh, yeah, not same 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 here. Um, so so all these jobs were they under um you know Tabacalera Garcia? You know um yeah yeah yeah. You know, oh okay, so so he didn't kick you out and like hey go work for my my friend that owns his own company. So they were all under. You were still under the umbrella. You know, I was I, I was I was around. I was hired by 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 Tabacalera by Altadis and I was shipped towards uh a par- partners suppliers. Oh okay. So I was at Mendes. Mendes is a, is a large tobacco supplier for them. Torrents are large tobacco suppliers for them. Uh, when I was in the in the United States, it was obviously Altadis. I was covering a sales representative in Altadis. I was in Leith. and then when I came back to Tabacalera, it was under my dad's uh under my dad's umbrella. But it was always under under the same uh, authentic or the same job, let's say. All right. So so you go away to college. You come back. You go back to get your master's. You come back. You, you're doing all of these different odd jobs, all with the goal <laughs> of I'm finally, finally going to work with my old man. We're going to be yep. we're gonna grinding. And then he says, peace. I'm retiring. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> What was the? Uh, uh... Sounds like a very elaborate plan that he hatched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's it. Just get him out. Why? Why at that? Because your dad. I mean, in the terms of cigar guys, your dad was a child, a teenager. These guys work until they're 101 years old. You know, so your your dad was a a really young guy. You know, in the world of you know old cigar guys, why did he? Why did he want to leave? There's a lot of factors, uh, but, but before we retired, I, I, I was I did actually spend some time with him at, at the factory. Um, but there's various factors. Uh, my, my dad went through a lot of uh, a lot of mergers and a lot of bosses. Uh, the last uh, merger, which was with Imperial, it was just basically a different way of working. And uh, my dad was used to working as a business unit and it gave him a lot of liberties to do stuff and had opportunities mm-hmm. to help people and all that. Uh, when you come with a, 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 a company, well, the size of, of Imperial, it's just different ways of, of working. There's more numbers, it's more bureaucratic. And it, it, and actually he told me it, he loved what he did, but it was the first time where he actually felt that he was uh, working. I mean, my, nev- my, my dad told me he never worked a day in his life. Yeah. And then, you know, three years before his retirement, he felt like he was working and, you know, and he showed, I mean, he, uh, you know, he he was, you know, he left a little bit earlier, you know, came a little bit later and stuff like that. He was actually acting as a vice president instead of as a manager, you know, yeah, coming in, going out, doing meetings and stuff like that. And it just came to a point where he said, you know what, it's time for me to retire. Uh, This is not, uh, they weren't, it, it wasn't the same type of management that he was used to. And he just basically decided to uh, to step down 
it would just make uh, life simpler. I mean, he didn't need he didn't need it anymore, and we just said, you know what, let's let's you know, let's do it. Let's do it. Go out and that's, that, that's yeah. it. So uh, so how how long you know had he was he retired? Because one thing I, I didn't under I didn't know uh, during my research like how long he was retired before you guys decided to start your own company. Um, and then who approached who? Did your dad be like, hey, I'm kind of bored. You want to do something? Or did you like, hey, dad, let's do something? So we, I wanted to keep in the industry and he, he still loved cigars. So he wanted to keep those cigars. So it took about a year towards when we started uh, talking about uh, Matilde. So we retired in 2011, uh, about 2012, mid 2012. Uh, we started a project, which was not only Matilde. It was actually a, we had a, a small factory. And that small factory was based in in our hometown, La Romana. My dad lived there his whole life, so he wasn't about to like you know uproot and 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 go to Santiago you know after his whole life. So he set a small manufacturing facility with about uh, I think about it was about six teams, and uh, there was tourism too. So you can actually go into the factory, you know, see everything, and it was kind of a way of marketing the same thing as tourism, as we uh, made our cigars, our first cigars. So the project started in 2012. And our first release was 2014. So it was a two year of boiling and making, you know, making sure the, the blend, the Renacer blend was, uh, was beautifully uh, crafted and correct. Mm-hmm. And that's when we first launched uh, Matilde Renacer. A little yeah, bit that, later. That, I said that, I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt, that that says a lot, you know, from, from a man that's a master blender that spent his whole life in the industry, spent two years, you know, crafting the, his first blend. You know, that's just, that's mind boggling that, that it, you know, not that it took that long, but, you know, he wanted to make sure that that first cigar was, was perfect. Well, it had to be unfucking believable, right? I mean, he came yeah. from, you know, he came from huge company, huge brands, and he came, you know, now it's a small family business, a small production, you know, he wanted to make sure it was pristine. And I said it was pristine. We were, we were fortunate enough to, uh, be in the top 25 since you got know that year got rated 92. I mean, we got rated. I think Coop uh, got us in the top uh, in the top five as well that time with the Renacero Busto, and uh, and that's how it started. Soon after, we had a realization, and uh, it was that in order to keep a consistency, our cigars are, and that's a thing that I've always said that uh and it's something my dad told me and it's the crudest way to put it right i mean cigar smokers are looking for consistency right you want to make sure that cigar reminds you every single time of that cigar although you know and i said that's remind you of Renacer every single time you smoke it. it has to have the same profile i mean you know, the same type of strength it has to be similar it's never going to be the same because it's yeah. a natural product it's handmade but as my dad said, you know, it has to be a cousin, the first cousin, second cousin, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. But it has to remind you of, of that. And one thing, consistency. If the crudest way he put it to me, that if you make a cigar that tastes like shit and people like it, make sure it tastes like shit year after year because that's what they're looking for, right? <laughs> yeah, that 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 is that that is what we're looking for. We're looking for that, you know, if if it tastes like shit, but I like it. Make I, sure I want, like you know, again, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there, there's two ways to look at cigar. The two, the two ways I look at cigars. I look at cigars the, the objective side, and the subjective side. Objectivity is something you, you can't really say. You know, it's a good. You know, you say it's a good or a bad cigar. It draws well. 
has a good drive, you know, it doesn't burn away, there's no runners, and it's consistent with flavor, you know, every single time. That that's consistency. That's objective. And then you have the subjective side, and it's it's what you like. I mean, you mm-hmm. can give me a cigar that you love, I might not like it, it's not for my palate. That's usually what I say. If, if there's a cigar I don't like, it's well constructed, but you know what? It's not for my palate. It yeah. might be too strong, it might be too peppery. I never say a cigar is bad because one, I know how hard it is to make a cigar and how hard it is to keep a, a cigar in a blend. So you gotta respect every single person that makes a freaking cigar or that has a blend, you know, because they put your passion into it. Nobody gets into, into the cigar industry to become a millionaire. They make it, you know, they come into it because they like it. There's easier ways to make money, I can tell you that, right? Yeah, yeah, um, a, a lot easier. Right. I mean, Karen and I still we're, we're in the cigar industry and we still have day jobs. You know, it's just like <laughs> you know, so it's like like one day, one day we're gonna be able to quit our day jobs. We both know it's like yeah, someday I'll be not, able to quit my full time job and yeah. do this full time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, oh, but, so there's uh, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Uh, so that question here. Um, uh, actually, well, so so we're going we're we're getting there now. So you're talking yeah, about actually the, the fact. Yeah, we're getting there. So the factory. So we'll we'll keep going here. Um, so so Renacero was developed in La Romana. And uh, looking for consistency and making sure we had, you know, the right tobacco to be consistent uh, year after year and making sure we had a good uh, inventory of age tobacco. You can know all the cigar uh, growers and processors in the world, but there's one thing you can't uh, cheat is time, right? In order to get AIDS tobacco and big quantities of AIDS tobacco, we have to have time. And time means money. So we weren't able to, to, to get the type of tobacco that we needed, the time that we needed, and, and creating blends uh, was slow. So that's where we decided to make our first big move. And our first big move was moving our, our small production at the time to Tabacalera Palma. Tabacalera Palma is owned by Hochi Blanco. Uh, they're okay. fourth generation cigar manufacturers. They've been in since 1936. And it's simple reasons. We've known Hochi for a long time. He's a good friend. Uh, we know his values of making cigars. We trust him uh, 100%. And he's also one of the t- largest tobacco growers for private stock in, in the country. So we knew 100% where our tobacco was coming from, what fuel was coming from, you know, what seed it was. And we knew we we're going to have it year after year and tobacco that's eight, three, four, five years. So that gave us an opportunity to create more blends quicker and also uh, an opportunity of expansion. We could expand quicker because we had the supply. So we decided to sacrifice a little bit of control in manufacturing, obviously giving the manufacturing to somebody that we trust. And we go there, I go there often, I'm there constantly. And, uh, but with the plus side of we have the tobacco, the supply of tobacco that we need to be able to keep uh, the, the passion and the consistency that we're looking for with the cigars. And that's when we move uh, Matilde or the manufacturer of Matilde from La Romana to Santiago. I automatically move to Santiago. So as the manufacturer was moving to Santiago, I was moving to Santiago as well to make sure I was in uh, well the manufacturing site. Now, did you close down your, the factory you started, or is that still uh, still producing s- some cigars? So the factory that was started uh, is still producing cigars, but it's still it's a show. So now it's a factory. We go around. It has a store, so it's more of a exhibition for people okay. to see how how cigars are made. So cigars that are made there are not fully commercialized. So they're not Matilda cigars. 
they're not you know xyz cigars it's a factory where people can go they can tour they can see it and uh and go so and now it's uh it, it was taken over by the people that distribute the distributors are the vega fina montecristo romeo julieta which is uh ruben gonzalez so it's still there we can visit it now but now it's called the vega fina experience which oh, okay obviously I, I, as yeah. Dis- yeah you say that name now i've heard of you know yeah i've heard that that name before so that was your old or the the, the original factory yeah. So. That's correct. So it was small. It, it was 500 okay. square meters, small viejo. Uh, very there, there was not a lot of scalability there. So, care right. care. What is that in feet? I don't know what meters are. Uh, uh, Five thousand square feet. Oh, okay. Multiply by ten. Oh, oh, is it multiplied by ten? <laughs> okay. I think it's three yeah. three and a half uh, feet is a meter, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So all right. So yeah. So that that that's still pretty small. Five thousand. You know, five thousand square. Yeah, feet. small. Yeah, that was that's, small. So, so how how many rollers at one time, you know, were were in there? So I'm I'm assuming when when your dad announced that he's coming back to the to the to the industry, he probably had people lined up from from the old the old factory managers, people wanting to come work for him. So I'm assuming there was no issue with uh, finding help. Um. So you remember I told you my dad was square. Yeah. So we had a line of people, uh, managers, uh, rollers, bunchers, a- anybody you could think of uh, coming from the old factory to our small facility. And my dad said no to everybody because really? he wasn't going to, he, he was not going to wow. take uh, employees or, 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 you know, pouch employees from a factory where he, he built, he helped grow and uh, spent his whole life working with. Uh, to do his own factory. So we actually uh, got employees or ex-employees of the factory that were not working at the factory anymore. And we started working them and retraining them towards Wilson. So it was a little bit uh, because of his way of being, it took even a little bit more wow. time to get to perfection. It would be a lot easier saying, hey, you, 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 yeah. you, 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 let's go. And yeah, was, you know, it, because because nowadays we hear like poaching down, you know, Nicaragua, Honduras, the Dominican Republic, like that's a huge thing going on right now uh, of mm-hmm. companies just poaching the best of the best because nobody can find any anybody to work, you know, or they're so busy they can't find enough help. So yeah, yes. but uh, we didn't go that way. We yeah, went, that, that, uh, that went the a, other route. That says that that says <laughs> yeah, a, a, a lot. You know, um, and then uh, I'm going to skip forward here. And some of my question, you, you're talking about, you know, uh, earlier um, you, you tried hand rolling. I, I read an article um, uh, about your dad and this going back to 1984. And um, uh, I don't know if you can expand on a little bit. You said back in 84, he was transitioning the bunchers from machine bunching, which I didn't even think that was a thing back then, to hand bunching. because he, And he only wanted to hire um, bunchers that smoke cigars. Um, is that something that you guys still, you know, or, or when he opened up his factory, that was something that was real big, you know, oh, everybody smoked. Smoke. No, yeah, everybody smoked. I mean, the, 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 well, everybody had the opportunity to smoke if they wanted to. It's, it's simple. How can you explain a draw to somebody that does not smoke cigar? Yeah. How could you explain, you know, how a runner affects a cigar or a tight draw affects a cigar or a loose draw? You can't. So you know, you're, you're, if, if a buncher and the, your cigar makers are smoking cigars, they, they're cigar smokers, they'll understand where you're coming from. It's just a different mm-hmm. language. Cigar language is different. I mean, you can say, oh yes, it's got a tight draw. I tell somebody, you know, you know, the cigar's got a tight draw. Uh, what is that? 
And okay, yeah. it's a tight. You know, it's hard to it's it's hard to pull. But what does that do to the cigar? It bitters it up. But why? <laughs> but, you know, if you have to go through a whole freaking you know steps and steps and steps to explain how a tight draw will affect a cigar or a loose draw will affect a cigar, right? If yeah. uh, people are smoking, it's there's no issue. The yeah, article is from they, 1984. If they, don't, if they don't, yeah, if they don't smoke, they can just throw a stick in there. I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, it'll, I don't know how that's going to affect the cigar. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's one of the reasons that the, my dad uh, liked people to smoke, and uh, and he he, he, he said you smoke, yeah. And one of the things that he had is that he had smoking sessions with anybody. Uh, we did it at the small manufacturing facility, and when he was at Tabacalera, there was a grupo de fumadores. And it was only the managers. It was managers, it was punchers, it was rollers, it was mechanics. Anybody that smoked had the opportunity to sit down once a week, uh, smoke a cigar, rate them, and give us a feedback. Because at the end of the game, it's not you know it's not only the managers and the blenders that, that are smoking the cigars. Everybody is. So he believed uh, in group. He believed my dad was a firm believer in and you don't do anything alone. You never take credit for anything, anything like I did this. No, my team did this, and. Uh, and that's how he, he worked. All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna take one quick break. I, I, I uh, does Enrique watch Oak Island? What's what, what's that? Oak Island. So the answer is no. Oh, what okay, okay. It, 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 it's a you dumb. Haven't, you haven't you haven't missed anything over the last several years. No, no, it's a TV show. They're digging a hole in the ground. They're trying to find something. Nothing's there. They never find anything yeah, for like somebody, ten years. It's some mud. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So that, that, that's it. So <laughs> you know how that, like that's, some that's shows, Manny. Manny is fascinated with Oak Island. You know how like some shows, y- y- if you like start watching it, you'd have to go back and watch from the beginning to understand what's going on. Yeah. Not that's not this is like the eighth <laughs> season. It's still the same hole. Yeah, <laughs> and they're still digging, and they're still looking. So you can go back and waste eight seasons of them oh, okay. digging deeper. So yeah. that is a that is a beautiful travel show. You spent so many hours in the freaking plane. I might I, I might get uh, Oak Island. Yeah, get get that get cross that off your list of uh, of things to watch is, is Oak Island. <laughs> So, Enrique, come to South Carolina. I got my own Oak Island. I'll dig a hole for you. You can actually <laughs> join join in as as well. Um, all right. So so we're uh, so you're you're transitioned to to a new factory. Is that the factory you're still with, or because somebody had mentioned another factory, you know, um, up up here as well? Isla. So, so Isla. So so, so talk- we work. I work with two factories. Okay. Uh, all our core lines. So when I say core lines, are our regular production lines. Uh, from our core lines, we have the Renacer, which is our first release. Uh, Serena, which is a mild to medium cigar. We have Cuadrata, which is our box press, and Oscura, which is our Maduro. And now we just released a Serena Maduro. So it's it's the core blend of the Serena, and we added a Criollo 98 binder and uh, Mexican wrapper. Uh, to make the Serena Maduro. These are all made at Tabacalera Palma. Okay. And it's it's, it's what we talked about. Uh, Tabacalera Palma, we have the resources of tobacco resources and to be able to scale and just keep on manufacturing as many as we want. Uh, we do work with uh, Osos Fernandez in uh, Tabacalera Isla. This is very recent. Also, just, uh, I think he, he set up this, uh, it's his second? Is it COVID what? COVID is, we three, we're three years into COVID, right? Right. Yes. So two and a half years. Yeah, he's at the factory for two and a half years. He set up during COVID. 
And I've known Nostos for a long time. Uh, we actually met at in the university in, uh, in the States. And he's a, he's a Fernandez Quesada. So he used to work with the Quesada family. He's a his okay. nephew mm-hmm. to Lo Manolo. And he ran the factory. He was one of the people running the, running the factory at uh, that time. He came, he left the factory, started working with cigar rings. He jumped in, then he, same thing. I mean, you can't escape. If you love cigars, you can't escape cigars or tobacco, right? And during the COVID, he decided to set up his manufacturing facility. And I knew right away that at some moment I was going to work with uh, with Ostos. And we have a great relationship. You know, I love the way he works. Uh, we had the opportunity of working together a little bit uh, as supplier and, uh, and, and and customer, right? And that's where our uh, limited exposure uh, project was uh, was born. And basically, that's what I'm smoking. What I'm smoking right now is a, a limited exposure uh, number two. We have limit exposure number two, limit exposure number one. If you notice, it's, they're still color coded, Kevin. By the way, I, lo- I so love it. Yeah, I, I, I love. Is they're that still color coded? So, who, who, whose idea was that at the beginning? Was that you know, you know, yours? You know, like in marketing. Um, you know, because um, I, 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 like I said at the beginning, I love color coded because I can never so, remember the name of the cigars. So let's say that all great ideas were mine, and then all bad ideas were somebody else's. So okay. that was my idea. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Perfect. No, it, it was one of the things that we want to do the branding. So to go a little bit back, you know, let's go back towards uh, to the origins, right? El Matil is an old brand. It was founded in 1876 by Simeon Mencia. And uh, we wanted to revive a brand to pay homage to the Dominican Republic. So we would look for a brand that had Dominican roots, but, but was no longer uh, alive. And that's how Matile comes along, right? That's the reason that our first regards called Renacer. And I said it's rebirth. So it's a rebirth of this brand and also the rebirth of, of my dad, or I like to say, he came from, you know, managing thousands of employees, making, you know, millions of cigars to, you know, a smaller factory making a couple hundred thousand cigars. So it's two different types of a manufacturing, right? So that's the rebirth. Serena is, we wanted to keep the branding simple. So Matilde is a brand, and then we have our line extensions. And each line extension, uh, the name is a descriptor, or we'll like to call a descriptor of, of the cigar. So Serena is serene. It's calm, so it's relaxing. It's mild to medium. And the color blue, because it reminds you of the sea, so it's gotta be calming, right? This is Serena right here. Let me see if I have it. So blue. Then you have uh, the Cuadrata, which is our orange cigar. A, which is a box press. So Cuadrata is square. And it's the only one that has an Italian name and not a Spanish name because Matilde is a female brand and wanted to keep everything female. Hence, a Cuadro is square in Spanish, which is male. Then we have Oscura, which is dark as our Maduro. Oscura, it's dark, right? And uh, I'm missing one. Well, it's a Renacer and Renacer Maduro. Um, with branding, what we wanted to do, we kept uh, thinking of our retailer partners. We have cabinet boxes, and the cabinet boxes initially it was actually a plain cabinet box. So it was a brown cabinet box, like every other box out there, right? And we quickly uh, noticed that because our footprint wasn't that big, we wanted to keep our portfolio simple to make sure we were able to keep the blends consistent. So we have four core lines now: five of the Serena Maduro. And we have them in Corona, Robusto, Toro, and Grande. 
Those are the lines that we make. We made a Lancero in the Renaissance to celebrate my dad's 40th year in the industry. And I've made a couple of productions of Lancero in the Serena as just, you know, uh, limited productions, right? But those are our core uh, lines. And because it was a small footprint, we, we found out very quickly that it would get lost in the humidor. Yeah. And that's when we started adding colors. I would say, you know what, let's add mm-hmm. colors. So original Renaissance was a brown band, brown box. Then the Oscura was a green. Quadrata is orange. And the Serena is a blue. And now we transitioned the Renaissance to have a uh, kind of red burgundy. And it's basically with the quadrata, the the sere, the quadrata, the the oscura, and the what, quadrata oscura and wow, brain fart. Quadrata oscura and renacer, you have uh, the change of the colors of the leaves. So, you take you have the green, then it goes to a little bit more brown, then it goes to a little bit more red, right? Okay, yeah. Those are the changes of the leaves. Then with our limited exposures, we have a brighter colors. There's a limited exposure uh, number one, which is red. And then the limited exposure number two. And it's the same thing. I like to take a lot from uh, from nature. So these are two endemic flowers from the Dominican Republic. One's an endemic orchid. So we had that color Pantone from the endemic orchid. And uh, number two is an endemic uh, flower called Campana. And it's the purple one. And it was basically that, Ken, as you were saying, people don't remember names, they remember uh, colors. And all my friends say, well, I like, I love your cigarettes, what, what do you want? I, I say, I don't remember, you want blue, orange, red, yeah. green, you say the numbers, yeah. say the names and, and they know it. And it also helps it pop out in the humidor. It's not the same having all color, you know, brown boxes that you're having like four, uh, four red, four green, four orange, all together in a block and it will just pop out. And, and because you, the you hear, you hear that Pete Johnson with Tatuaje with all your brown bands, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so basically that was it. It was more of uh, as you said, we want you to recognize your brand, <laughs> and that's we put the colors and wanted to pop out in the humor. We right? so find a way to make it pop out, but don't be not being too flashy. Let's say. Okay, and then don't anybody tell Pete I said that. Pete's a Pete's a friend. He know I bust his chops all the time about that. So I get I enough trouble in the cigar industry. Right you know, Pete'll message me tomorrow. I, hey, I heard you were talking shit about me last night. You know, like no, I wasn't. You know, no, so, just about your bands, Pete. Yeah, just about it. your bands as <laughs> always. Band. So, so, yeah. so, so someone had put, uh, Ben asked, uh, um, is the uh, the Serena Maduro out yet? Yes, we started uh, we started uh, selling them at uh, TPE, and they're starting shipping now. So they should be shipping to retailers right. uh, now. All right. And then Christopher Walmart, um, how many retailers does he currently have? We're in about uh, 500 retailers. Okay. You can go into the website, matilicigars.com, and you can see our retail partners there. Oh, good. That was my question was, do you have a, a retail finder? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and then um, – but uh, you know, so, so going back to the name of the company, that, that's still that that's like two things. I mean, your your dad could have hit the easy button. You and your dad, you know, you could have you know come out with your first blend in six months. You could have named the cigar company after yourselves, and it would have sold. But you you know you choose or no? No. You you couldn't. <laughs> no. No. Why no. not? 
Uh, there is a cigar <laughs> called the Seha Signature Cigar, which is a fabulous cigar. Unbelievable blend. But at the trademark, we don't own the trademark, our last name, or Jose Seijas oh. uh, in the United States. And uh, we weren't able to use it as our main brand. So that's why we decided we couldn't pay homage to our family name. We wanted to pay homage to our country. And that's why we revived uh, Matilde. All right. So and, and, and so since since we're talking about Matilde, I want to put up a picture because I said um, – and, and let's go. Let's go over this uh, um, uh, a photo because I, I had seen I'd seen your cigars, and then it wasn't until I was really doing the research on the show. We'll put the the cigar picture up. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I always saw the S. I, I didn't understand what that was that was uh, about, but I never saw the lady in the middle, like because uh, <laughs> on the bands. And then it wasn't until, like I said, I'm doing like the you know we, we're doing the graphic for the show, and I'm like. Is that a lady in the middle? So, uh, so let, let's go over the S and then uh, the 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 youngly love lady in the middle. So, uh, <laughs> I remember one time I was traveling, and uh, it was when we re when we launched uh, the Renaissance initially, and I meet this guy. He's like, "I love your cigars." Oh, you know, I'm saying, "Hey, hey, how are you?" I say, "My name is Enrique. I'm with Matilda Cigars. We were doing an event." He's like, "Oh, you're the you're the cigar with the naked lady in the S." <laughs> Not many, not many people notice uh, the one because the S's are so pronounced, right? Yeah. So how that logo comes along is that it comes actually from the logo of warranty of Matilde, or the old Matilde. The okay. logo warranty had an S interlocked with an M. There's two ways of seeing it. It was Simeon Mencia as the owner of the brand. And we also looked at it as Simeon and then M Matilde interlocked, right? So in order to make it ours, what we did was that we created the S or recreated the logo where we put the S in tobacco leaves because we are a tobacco company and that's you know what we live and breathe, right? As all of us do. And the S obviously as Simeon and also as Sejas, it's our last name. And then instead of putting the M for Matilde, we added Matilde. So Matilde is in the middle, covered and protected by the tobacco leaves with a yes. And that's where our logo comes, uh, comes to life. Or Matilde is in the middle, protected by all the tobacco leaves from Sejas. All right. So, so Beautiful. is the lady based off somebody from the old company? Like, a, a do you know the story of who the lady is? Hey, Matilde was a, I believe, an aunt of Simon Mencia. We have uh, actually we have a whole book that uh, we had a historian looking. Uh, we we had actually somebody researching a historian, Dominican historian, researching within it. It was not, I believe, it, it was an aunt. It wasn't the wife. It wasn't the daughter or the son, obviously not the son, but we believe it was uh, the wife, but it's not something that we have a hundred percent certain. Okay. Or what the name is. Oh, well, all right. in my case, Matilde is my mother-in-law and my wife's uh, grandmother. So we started the company just like right after I met her. So usually I say, you know what? It's my mother-in-law. But no, we don't. We don't know one hundred percent. It was the aunt. We believe it was the aunt. That's okay. a good way to get it with the family, the mother-in-law. I'm starting a cigarette. Starting a cigar company, and uh, this is named after you. Yeah, yeah. That, the other that. thing I love to. The other thing I love to say was, Who, "Who's Matilde? Was your mother? Your mother's Carmen? Was like, yeah, my, my my dad's mistress." You're like what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it, yeah, it, she, it, she, it, she still it, doesn't know. Don't say anything. 
Yeah. No, I was just like, no, my mom's okay with it. You know, they yeah. have the house one beside each other. You know, it's a Dominican Republic. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. What, what, <laughs> everything goes. Um, and then I, I saw on your website, you also have a Canadian exclusive. Can you tell us about Because we do have some Canadian viewers that tune in each week. Yeah. The Canadian exclusive. So we, we have a good relationship with our distributor partners and uh, from Brigham Tobacco. They actually here a, a while ago. A doing uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually doing the tour of, of Tabacalera. We went to Palma and then to Isla. Um, and as you know, Canada has a an issue when it comes to pricing. And in order to do something special for Canada, I, I go there at least once a year. I wanted to do something that was only Canadian, where people couldn't uh, benchmark. You know, they can't say, "Oh no, this is cheaper here. I'll buy it from here. I'll buy it online. I'll buy it from a store in the, in the United States or anywhere else." And that's how the conversation of the Canada Exclusive came along. And uh, we started developing a cigar. It was a very cool uh, project, a very interesting project for me because, because it was a small quantity. It, we only made about 5,000 cigars and they came in these beautiful uh, uh, 125 count humidors, all red with a logo. If you look at the Matilde logo for uh, the Canada Exclusive, it's actually, it's similar to our original logo, but it has a maple leaf on it. Um, and it's basically representing Canada, right? And it had that maple leaf that Canada exclusive, just a beautiful uh, design that was made by our friends at uh, Rafa Miguel Fieras. Uh, it was, uh, we work a lot with them on designs, right? And uh, because it was such a small production, uh, we played with tobaccos. I think the youngest tobacco that was there was about four years old. It was four or five so a year old tobacco. And it ended up being a beautiful blend, just a, such a great blend, uh, which I don't have any of them anymore. And something that we can't repeat. It's a product that we will uh, revisit. It won't be the same blend just because the tobaccos weren't, it, you know, one of those times where you say, you know what, let's go all out because we don't really have to redo it again. It's, it was a one-time thing. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it. And that's how we did it. We launched it in 2000 and probably started in 18. We launched in 2019 and they were sold out right away uh in canada but it was only for that we sold it in canada and in the dominican republic all right i'm gonna reach out to my friend val in canada so i can see if she can find one then i can do what we all do online hold up the cigar look what i have that you can't get you know that's what what we live for you know it's just you know you know lording that over uh uh, um, everybody else um yeah yeah you had mentioned a, a, a grande. Um, now that I mean, when your dad was in, the, you know, uh, started in this industry, you know, I'm assuming your grande is a six by sixty. You know, you know that 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 wasn't something that was really huge. You know, when your dad started, you know, is that something that really surprised him? Like people want a six by sixty and actually smoke it and sell a lot of them. So mind boggling. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it's it's what uh, the industry the industry has changed a lot uh, in my conscious and my dad conscious as well, obviously. And all the all the old timers can tell you this. Uh, my dad used to tell me, you know, when your your large cigar was a Churchill, it was a huge cigar, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had the Perlas, you know, the Panetelas, and all these nice classic cigars. Then the pendulum started going up, 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 until we had those 90, 80, 70 fats, right? And, uh, and it just came back down to La Grande's being, you know, your regular large cigar. And before it was like a, a novelty cigar. Now it's just part of your regular production where it sells a lot, right? 
but yeah, for my dad, it was mind boggling. It was like, well, you know what? It's something that it, it's in the market. You know, it's something that sells and it's something that we have to have in our portfolio. And, and we believe that we, we designed the portfolio towards you have a, your four core sizes. You have a grande, 60 by six, 54 by six and a half, the Toro Bravo. You have your 50 by five and a quarter Robusto. And then you have your 44 by five and a half uh, Corona. Big ring gauge stores can go up to the this side and the small ring gauge towards this side. One thing that we never did was going you know, above uh, the 60 uh, by six. But, yeah, because uh, that, that gets real into the gimmicky. You know, I, I don't know. There, there are cigars care. I mean, we know those guys. They love a seven by 70, eight yeah. by eight. But the, those guys aren't smoking those daily, you know. But the six by 60s, it still blows my oh, that's mind. Constant, you know? yeah. It still yeah. blows my mind that those guys are smoking that daily. Because I, I remember like, when I first got into this history, and I haven't been in this industry that long, you know, maybe eight years or so but that was a gimmicky a six by 60 it's like oh hey i'm gonna grab that that's like a joke cigar and i'm gonna smoke it you know how how big is how big do you recall how big the digger is a throw them in a digger um the the most popular uh a big ring gauge size uh scary in front of your computer well obviously you're in front of your computer can you see what that is on the, I don't on the remember digger. it was that. Do you, do you want me huge. to use my cigar cigar proper meter? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's it. I gotta send look you my new, I gotta send you my new one. Hold so. on, I'll look it up, Kevin. But, I'm, I'll be your I'll be your info. Oh, check it out, check it out. Because I remember I remember when I saw the digger for the first time. I was like, what the fuck? It is a huge cigar, and it's it not is, really it. that huge. Eight and a half by sixty. Eight and a exactly. half by sixty. You know, and, and they and, and they can't and they cannot. We're gonna we're gonna talk to John Kearney with LFD next week. They can't keep that in stock. Like it's always on back order. It's always out of stock. It's like, who is buying these cigars? You know, it, it's insane. I don't. I, but this is how this is how this is how quickly the industry uh the English the industry evolved towards the big green gauges. In 2014, when I was traveling, 1415, the LFD digger was huge. I mean, humongous. Yeah. I, I, I held him like, what the, who smokes this? And then it was like, oh, this guy called Digger in the store, you know, it's like, a, a, a Lito made it for him because he said that, you know, this, he had to make, he, I think it was because uh, he needed another two inches to enjoy uh, his cigar or whatever it was. <laughs> and, and then, you know, a year later, everybody's got 60s, 70s, 80s. I was just involved towards, you know, huge, I'm very glad that he came back towards, you know, 60 is normal, and then you have your bigger ring gauges, but, you know, you kept in 60s, 70s, right? But it evolved very quickly to big ring gauges. I mean, very quickly. 56, yeah. that's the biggest I'll go. The 56. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, 56 is about the biggest I'll go, yep. too. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of anything bigger than that, because then it's just too, I don't know, it's hard to say. It's just too much tobacco. It's just, you know, it's not like it's a, it's a super long smoke. It just gets boring. It's just too much tobacco in one smoke. It's an uncomfortable smoke too, because I just it's. I just yeah. I, I, I want to smoke a cigar where my jaw doesn't hurt right. after an hour. Yeah, I don't want to have the cigar where I have. I mean, I have to keep my mouth open. I, I can yeah, hear you can talk yeah. and talk. You know. Yeah, and, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna smoke for three hours, like I said, I want two cigars. You, you want to you change know, your cigars? Yeah, I remember like I remember like the first one. Um, I remember, I think it was the 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 Cao Flathead, and I think it was a. Uh, it was a big, a big one. Maybe it was a 770. I don't know what it was. And I was driving down to a West Palm Beach, and that one cigar took me from my house to Abe at Smoke Inn down in Boynton Beach. 
And uh, I got out of the car and I'm like, God, or I remember driving, almost getting out of the car. I'm like, I am so bored. Like I wish I had just, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, it was the same cigar yeah. you know, throughout. I mean, it, it burned well and everything else, but I was just bored. It, you know, it, it's just, yeah. yeah there's I'm, just I'm, so much you can take from a, like from the same uh, taste profile, right? Flavor profile, right? Oh, exactly. And one thing I didn't see on your website, you know, I, I, I was going through reading everything. Uh, um, uh, no Lanceros on your on your website. Have you guys uh, have you got in care? Big Lancero fan. Lancero. Have, have you guys ever done a Lancero? Yes, we did a 40 ring gauge, 40 by 7, 40 box count for my dad's 40, 40th year in the industry. That was in uh, 2014. And I also made a small production of Serena Lanceros. And those were distributed here in Dominican Republic and in Sweden. And uh, that's it. Those are our Lanceros. So uh, any thoughts of bringing that back? Or were they, were they not good sellers? Or you Well, know? the Renaissance the was a, a, a actually limited thing. It was something to celebrate my, my dad's uh, anniversary and, yeah. and the 40 years. So that's that's something that won't come back ever. Uh, with the Lanceros and the different others and the other sizes, uh, they might come back, you know, in small productions, just in and out and stuff like that. I, I actually I love lawn sales. I think they're yeah. a, a great mm -hmm. in between your Lanceros and uh, your Coronas. Because one of the things with the Lanceros is that if you love Lanceros, you, you will smoke Lanceros all the time. Because you know how great they are. You know how you know how to smoke them. You know they won't bitter up. You'll get all the flavors out of it. But Lanceros for a lot of people are, I, I, in my opinion, are, are, are scary. Not that many people are huge Lancero fans. Well, so they're, they're not that much sell. of a fast seller either, right? Yeah. Um, but people that love Lanceros smoke it. And uh, I actually started developing uh, more lawn sales. The limited exposure, they both have lawn sales because I think it's a great in-between <laughs> of the Lanceros yeah. and the Corona. And it's a great uh, size to smoke. So that's something that we will be uh, developing on lawn sizes. And, you know, one and off Lanceros and stuff like that are small productions, but not regular production. I don't think mm -hmm. so. Not for now. Yeah. Now, now care care owns Stogie Road cigars. Care has a a a, a Lancero, the the uh, a mix between the Lonsdale and Lancero. Care what, what size? Is it? It's a Lons. It's a basically a Lonsdale. I just I'm a I've always like I'm a Lancero guy. So um, we do them once a year because they don't you know like you said it's there's a handful of shops that really sell Lanceros. They have uh, a group of individuals that that really do love it. I think it's a uh, what is it six by forty. Six yeah. by forty-two, yeah, or eight. That's I'm beautiful. sorry, seven by forty-two. I'm sorry, seven. I'm a little, but yeah. yeah I mean, it's it, I, I. I'm a Lancero fan, and like you said, a Lonsdale also is just a perfect size. It is just it, that that Vitola is is just as a, I appreciate that just as much as I do a Lancero. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, I think it's it, a beautiful smoke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, 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 Ben Irwin asked another question, and I was thinking about this earlier. <clears throat> when you were talking about your leaves, they start off green and they go up to brown, you know, and he's at, you know, care, ask him about Candela, you know, you want to care and I are huge Candela fans, probably two of the biggest Candela lovers in the cigar industry. And that's not an exaggeration at all. Now, when your dad got into this, you started in this industry, Candelas were still huge, you know, you know, sure. but, but, you know, you know, and the, the, they probably didn't go out of style until really, you know, the, the, the late eighties, um, you guys ever think about is your dad, you know, want to work with, or you want to work with Candela at all? It's not a, it's not my favorite rapper. It's not something I, I, I've thought about working with. Este, 
it's not in the pipeline, to be honest with you. Uh, but you can never say never. I can tell you that. <laughs> you can never yeah. say never. But it's never. not in our pipeline now. Uh, right now, what we're doing is that we're focusing on the cores uh, that we have developing and, you know, starting to develop the core lines or core blends that we have in uh, in each of the lines and uh, developing the limited exposure. We are working on some uh, some special, well, I am working on some special projects, uh, which we'll start uh, talking a little bit uh, further down uh, the year, which will be actually limited. Uh, these will be, as I we did with the Sejas, uh, the 40 uh, ring gauge, uh, the 40 Lancero. We're gonna do something uh, uh, by the end of the year. Uh, we'll start talking a little bit more about it as you know, a couple of months. Nice. And it's a project that is uh, dear to my heart. It's dear to my family's heart. And it's something that's taken a lot of time to develop. So I'm very excited to start talking about it uh, in a while. But we are developing like other things. Uh, but Candela is not one of the rappers that uh, we will be working with. I can tell you that there is a, I have a friend, uh, friends that just launched a, uh, he recently launched a cigar uh, cigar brand at Apostate. And they, they love Candela and they work with Candela. Oh, uh, uh, Brandon, Brandon will be yeah, on the yeah, show. Yeah. yeah, he'll be on the show in like uh, a month. So uh, well, in, I, in that I, case, I, I won't talk more about them. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know Brandon was a big uh, Candela guy. So he yeah. does. He's got a couple of. Uh, he's got Candela. He's got uh, I think a barbecue Candela, which is it was very good. And uh, he makes the cigars at the Tabacera Palma as as well. Okay, so um, I definitely can't wait to ask him about that. Um, so what what is your best seller right now on your on your cigars? Well, our best sellers, hey, we go with uh, our Serena is actually our best seller uh, worldwide, uh, which is our mild to medium Connecticut, and then it goes to the Oscura. So it's Serena and Oscura would be our top sellers. So our Maduro and our Connecticut. You know, Kara, we were just talking about this. You know, it just for as many cigar smokers that say they don't like Connecticut. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's Connecticut is the best seller. Well, here's the thing, and, and it's my take, and 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 you can see it from me. Your your heavy smokes, your your, your stronger cigars, always have the ratings because they have more character, they have more flavor, and people that are rating cigars are people with developed palates, right? But your average smoker smokes three cigars a week. Not all of them want a strong cigar. They want a cigar, which is medium, mild to medium. They can enjoy, just relax. No, not everybody wants to sit down and get a cigar that's going to kick them in the face or a cigar that's super complex. Cigars meant to relax. It's meant to, you know, you know, chill. And a lot of people just want to smoke a cigar that has a good flavor and it's not too strong. One of the things that we did do with uh, with the Serena, and my dad developed a lot of, of mild to medium cigars and medium cigars at the, the factory. And one of the things that we wanted to do was make it a little bit different and create a... Our goal was to create a cigar that was mild enough for a mild smoker or a beginner, but had enough flavor and character, you know, had a uh, nice sweetness, a creaminess, but but felt or filled uh, the palate for somebody that smoked medium bite cigars or, you know, a little bit stronger cigars for it to be a morning smoke, you know, a cigar with a cup of coffee or a nightcap. It's very clean. So it's a cigar that's very versatile for us because it's mild in strength, but it still has a lot of flavor and character. So it's an easy sell for the store. And when people try it, like, you know, I can try it anytime. And it's not a super expensive cigar. So all our cigars are, I think our most expensive cigar MSRP is 1050, which is our limited exposure. 
And then our cigars are between uh, 750, 790 and, and 980, 980. So it's a cigar you can smoke constantly. It's a cigar yeah. that you'll enjoy at any time. And you know what? If you just want to relax, you take one of those cigars and you smoke it and enjoy them. So it's just you know, a, they're versatile cigars. Now, now you you said something you know um, that I've been finding myself doing over probably like the last year. You said you know it, it could be a good nightcap cigar. A lot of people like starting their day with a with a Connecticut, you know, with a cup of coffee. I like something bold and spicy mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. I found myself I like winding down my day when I'm smoke you know when I'm having a Connecticut. Nine times out of ten, it's always my last cigar of the day. I'm just winding mm-hmm. down. With a good Connecticut, something that's got a little a little spice to it, nothing outrageous, but yeah, I I, I like ending my day yeah. with Connecticut. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, I mean, the, the, if you're gonna actually relax and go to sleep, I want to you know I don't want to smoke a, a cigar that's full of nicotine, you know, it keep me awake. I want something you know that's nice, calming, you know, relaxes me. You think a little bit, you know, sit down, think for an hour, and have a to drink, then just you know go to sleep. That, that's it. Are you the, are you that kind? Of, so you start strong and you end up light. Yeah, you know, so, some some days I'll start off super strong and then end up super super light. You know, yeah. there, there there are days that, you know, it's not often, but it's just like, it's a day you find yourself smoking just powerhouses all day long. You know, just one spicy bold cigar after another. But yeah, I like I like starting spicy and just kind of winding it down. You know, at the end of the night. You know, not something like you said that's going to kick you in the face before you go to sleep. Just something, just a nice little. You know, Connecticut sometimes, and just wind it down. Uh, with. A, a, a nice, a nice caress. It's a nice yeah. caress. <laughs> a, a, a nice <laughs> caress. So, so we're we're gonna we're gonna back up a little bit. I told you we're gonna be all over the place here. We're gonna back up like a couple of years now. Um, you had mentioned something a couple of minutes ago um, about uh, like resources. So when you got when you first came in, you know, started your company. Um, were resources was that one of the things that like was hard you know i'm trying to think you guys work i mean your, your dad worked for this huge company 5000 employees everything at his disposal and then you start your own company you know obviously he had connections you know everything else but were resources a little bit more limited you know when you're starting your own company what were some of the uh, the you things think? that you guys were like like oh wait hey, i didn't i didn't think it'd be this hard well, here's the thing, and and there's always learning stages and learning curves and everything, and you still learn. I mean, when, once you own your own business, you learn, and you learn the hard way because you learn with your money, right? Mm-hmm. And it's simple. When you come from working in a factory, I think my dad had about $120 million worth of tobacco inventory. It was like oh, five years worth of inventory. It was literally like five years worth of inventory. Factory closed down, he could still make cigars for five years. It's ridiculous. But he worked with a very, very large corporation, right? And it's something that uh, we didn't think about. Uh, we were we had access. I mean, we could buy whatever we wanted to buy from everybody, from anybody, and any quantity. That wasn't an issue. So when it came to that type of resources, it was more or getting the access to the tobacco. It was more of having a lot of it to be able to age. So economic resources is always a thing, right? But for us, the biggest. Uh, the biggest uh, hoop or the biggest wall that we we encountered was distribution. If you think about it, my dad or or myself, we weren't distributors, we weren't retailers, we're manufacturers. Now my dad could make the best fucking cigar in the world. 
with whatever. So I, and when it came to tobacco, make the manufacturing, it was like, you know, eyes closed. But when it came to the side of distribution, I was a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And that's where I actually say, Coño Mera, we, under, we underestimated how much resources you needed for that side. And you worked around it. We kept on working and building it up, right? But I think that was the major, uh, the major uh, hit, or let's say, or the major, uh, oh, look at this. It's not like you didn't plan for it. But then you say, Coño Mera, you know what? We might not be as experienced. We didn't think it, it, it would be as hard not to get the cigars <laughs> into the store because it, it was it wasn't hard to get cigars into the stores and anybody that has a cigar uh company knows that the first sale is easy it's yeah. solidifying your customer solidifying your retailer making sure you know it moves at the retailer making sure mm -hmm. the consumers it goes to me you, yourself you've been in the industry for uh for you've been in kevin eight years in the industry and just started hearing about matilde and it all comes to resources It all comes yeah. to being able to advertise it all, but could come instead of me, me traveling, you know, uh, two weeks out of the month or we could about me being all the time in the road. So it's all these type of resources where you, you undercalculate, well, we undercalculate at that point. We say, okay, better, let's stop buying, let's, you know, let's mine down, let's do this. And we started working and learning a little bit, uh, learning more and more and just keep on learning every time. But resources are always going to be an issue in any company, any family company. If you're a billionaire, And you want to, you know, launch a company because it's something that you like, and you have, you know, an infinite amount of resources. Obviously, it's not an issue. If you're a family business, you're always going to have an issue with resources. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. You, we, we just got that, you know, the uh, which we won't name names or, or, I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about them, but the 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 billionaire company that that launched what last year at PCA. I forget what the uh, the. I, I don't know what the name of the company is. Yeah, it's unlimited resources. He's opening up lounges every day. Every day on Facebook, there's a new a new lounge opening yeah. up. You know, so if you if, if you if you throw twenty million dollars into the cigar industry, you're bound to make five million or three million. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That that either, that, that that's yeah. what I'm. That's what I'm like. That guy's never going to be on our show, so we yeah. we can say that. Like, you just wonder what they're fronting for. Like, like, yeah, like you, how do you throw that much money and make that little at something? Yeah, you either do it organically and, and grow little by little, or you just find somebody that has a shit ton of money and throw it. And it, it will work. You just have to make sure, you know, you, you have to see the bottom line year after year and you know, have, a, have a plan towards it. In our case, we just started growing organically and just kept on going organically and just keep on going organically. Because yeah, I, we don't have a billion dollars behind us, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta get me some of that. I gotta get me some of that STG money, like Matt Booth and Alec Bradley. <laughs> oh fuck! Got got to get me some of that. That's uh, that was a good. There was two good sales. Two good yep. sales for this oh, year. Yeah, yeah that's and I'm probably gonna keep and, on buying. And, and they're not they're not over. So if anybody from STG is asking, like I am for sale, me personally, yeah, yeah, not my company. Yeah. I personally, am I will for sell myself for five years. Okay, yeah, yeah. I will do this for five years. Yeah, that, 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 that's it. <laughs> Yeah, so so you talk, you talk about distribution. Now, I I did you know you, you say that now. You're, I remember now reading an article at one time that you started a distribution company with a a friend of the show, Mike Bellity, MLB Cigars. Which um, is, that, is that is that something you guys are still doing or? No, no, we're not doing that anymore. So with distributions, we, we've been uh, as I said, it was uh, it was let's say the handicapless thing that we've been learning, and we've done everything. Uh, we set up a, a small uh, distribution office in the United States. 
Uh, we worked with SAG, which was with Terrence Riley and, and all stores at the time. Okay. Uh, they did our logistics and uh, distributions. And then uh, something arrived to the Dominican Republic, and it's called UPS Cigar Direct. UPS Cigar Direct is a system where we could ship straight from the factory to the retailer. Oh, wow. Straight down. Now, is that, and, something, uh, is that something new? Because I just heard somebody else. Um, it was um, using UPS Direct. Uh, the guys that uh, um, um, have the, uh, the the diamond on their cigar. Who's that's that Quesada. Cigar? No, not Quesada. Uh, no. Um, Are you um, talking about Cavalier? Cavalier. Cavalier, yeah. Cavalier. Oh, also, yeah, I, not, not, I, now it's in, uh, now it's over there. Yeah, so, yeah, it's relatively new. So, it's uh, they started developing here in the Dominican Republic because uh, the market uh, was ripe for it. And it's basically, we have a, the thing is that in the DR, we, uh, most factories or most companies are based in free zones. So there are tax-free zones, so you don't pay any taxes. So it made, it was easy to do the export and all that. And you don't have to pay taxes to bring it in. So that started here in the Dominican Republic. It's basically having a, a warehouse in the Dominican Republic where you shipped uh, air, UPS air to retailers. But wow. There was a thing with with smaller orders. It was very expensive, so you had to subsidize it with bigger orders. Yeah, and uh, we, Mike and I, did that for a while. Mike and I did that for about a year and a half to two years, and then uh, Stutliff opened uh, their distribution oh, or yeah. their logistics side, which uh, I I say it's kind of a hybrid between what we used to do, which is a uh, cigar direct and uh, and Stutliff, because it's the first time that we're working with a company which is large has a, a, a large distribution arm, but most importantly is not a cigar seller. They're pipe sellers. So they, they're not competing with you. And just basically helping you sell more cigars and doing your logistics. So once that happened, it, it was when COVID hit and we had the opportunity to move a, my distribution with them. It was uh, perfect because we're a small company. So basically I downsized the warehouse in the Dominican Republic where we just needed what we, you know, what we needed. And I sent all my product to the United States at Sutliff, and then they did the distribution from there. Uh, the only handicap that I have uh, with Sutliff is that if something is in back order, I have to wait up until my next shipment to be able to place it in order. Well, with UPS Cigar Direct, nothing was in back order. It was manufactured and I had it in the warehouse and it was there. But if you plan correctly, your back orders are short. So it won't be uh, an issue. So we went from UPS Cigar Direct to distributing with Salt Lift. Now we've been doing it and been happy with them uh, ever since. So, so with UPS Direct, so when, when a, well, um, a store owner places a, um, an order, how fast can they have that order? Like, what's your your like turnaround time with like UPS Direct? They would have it faster than they do if it ships from the states. Really? So, so it did it, it, it did it bypass um, customs or was it, you know? No, it's a, it's a system where it doesn't bypass customs. It, uh, UPS does all the customs and all the payment. So we pay all the taxes and everything under the license, under, mm -hmm. you know, under your importer's license. So everything's paid, but all the paperwork is done as the cigars are traveling. So the cigars go straight. They don't have to stop. They go straight towards the, yeah. uh, they stop in the UPS warehouse, and then from the UPS warehouse, they go straight towards uh, the retailer. Wow. So they land, they hit, and then they go back straight in. If you think about it, it's like shipping uh, two-day air, because obviously in the United States, you ship by its ground freight, which is five yeah. days. 
when you're shipping internationally, the 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 longest time is two days because it's by air. So that was uh, that was great when it came to that, but then there were handicaps. I guess mention a few. You have handicaps when it comes to sending samples. So oh, sending yeah. samples uh, to let's say if I have 50 retailers, I want you know want give them to give me feedback on a blend or, or just give them a cigar I'm about to launch. That was a lot of money because yeah. it would cost me X amount of money for every single sample I used to send. So you know it was your ups and downs. At the end of the game, if you can have your distribution in the states and you have the volume, or you can have a distribution partner in the states, that's what makes the most sense because your product is already stateside. The other thing that happened is that there's FDA and sometimes uh, shipments got stopped and it took a lot longer. But in essence, it, it would take about two to three days. That was your 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 shipping time. Good. Yeah, that, that that's really good. And I didn't even think about the sample. I mean, I just sent a pack. Well, it's going out tomorrow. Sent a package UPS to Switzerland, and it's a and it's a little box. You know, something that you would send like five sample, five cigar samples to. It was like fifty eight dollars. You know, to to send it UPS. So yeah, so if you're sending some samples, that could get that could get a little yeah, expensive. It gets expensive. Yeah. No, but it's good. I mean, it's it's a great system. It's a it's a, it's a it's a great system to have, and we still have it in place. We just don't use it as constantly. But if I have to send stuff out like quickly, I still have it in place, and I still use it. And uh, you know, once in a while, when I have to do send something very quickly or urgently, or you're doing like the subscription clubs and stuff like this, special things or a special project, instead of going you know from here to the warehouse to the warehouse having to go, so you just go straight to the UPS direct, and it goes straight to the retailer. So it's a very it's a very useful tool. So yeah, Chris Walmer. Yeah, that that was the name I was thinking of. El Septimo. I'm not talking. I, I don't know the company. I don't know anything about the owner. I'm not talking bad. Nobody reach out to that guy. He's got more money than he's got more money than STG. Um, he sold a three million dollar lighter at a, a PCA last year. So El Septimo. I'm pretty sure he'll take my house, my car, everything else. So yes, it was uh, a make not, sure make, make sure you don't have any outstanding debts. He'll start buying all of them. Oh yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know. You know this. This will be the new El Septimo Lounge. You know, right? uh, you know, just just a just a pay off, pay off my debt. So um, so what is what is your role in the in the company now? What what is your official role? And are you you know you know if you're are you still such a small company where you know you really don't have a role? You're doing everything. I am. I am. I am the slave to Matilda. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, yeah, basically I'm co-owner. I I work with the uh, with the manufacturing, I work with product development, I work with the traveling. So we're still small. We have we're a team of about five people. We have you know, obviously you have accounting, we have a person that does marketing, a, in the warehouse and stuff like that. But it's small. We just keep it very small and very lean. So I do sure. basically about everything when it all comes right. to product development and uh, working with sales and the sales brokers and all that. So are, are you on the marketing side? Are you guys trying? Because I, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't see a lot of Matilde cigar. I don't see a lot on Instagram, Facebook, you know, the social medias, Twitter. You know, is that something you guys, you know, trying to grow? I, it's the hardest part. You know, we are any- trying to grow it. Actually, we just uh, we just uh, got somebody to which is going to focus 100 percent on that. If you notice, there's a lot more. There will be a lot. There has been a lot more activity. There will be a lot more activity. One of the things that uh, I was always told that uh, I didn't come out as often, either for shows or you know talking and videos and stuff like that, and that's something that we're doing more often, just to put the face out there. Before it was my dad's face, 
and now it has to transition, you know, more and more. Everybody knows my dad has to transition a little bit more and more and more towards me. And my dad's, uh, my dad's fully retired now. Uh, I'm sure you've seen uh, or seen some article or something that my dad uh, has Parkinson's. So oh no, he, I, no, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't see that. Well, yeah, he's no. uh, he, he has Parkinson's, so now he's most mostly in the back burner. He retired, so it's time for me to start, you know, coming out more often and doing all kinds of, you know, showing my face more, as uh, as people say. So little by little, you'll see our Instagram getting uh, more more posts and stuff like that, and mm -hmm. just start growing it uh, as uh, we've been doing. All right. So so if, if I can if I can give you a piece of advice uh, on the Please. marketing side, because like I said, I, I you know I'm on TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, everything, all the social media platforms. How is Twitter? So, how is um, not Twitter? How how is uh, is it not Twitter? Uh, TikTok. TikTok is good. You know TikTok. Uh -huh. uh, um. um it can be very boring when it comes to like. Listen, <clears throat> I don't think he realizes what your TikTok, what yeah. you do for so TikTok. So I, 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 I have, yeah. I, 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 so I, I have a tip. So I, I create cigar content. I create content for people like myself. I want to laugh when I watch content. I don't follow a lot of cigar content creators like on TikTok and a lot of okay. platforms. Because they're very boring. I don't want to listen. I don't want to listen to talk about cigars. I know how cigars are made. I don't want to listen to you know cigars. You're getting notes of this or whatever. But so the the piece of advice that I that I give any manufacturer is on those platforms: TikTok, Instagram, YouTube Shorts. You know all those 59 second videos. Got to keep it under mm -hmm. a minute. Under 59 okay. second. People cannot get enough content of how cigars are made. You don't have to have anybody talking. It's rolling cigars. It's making cigars. It's just turning the camera on someone bunching cigars and putting them in molds. Those those videos get crazy amounts of views. Those yeah. people that because people have an because it's awesome. Yeah, watch. it is. Yeah. People people really do have an insatiable appetite for watching how cigars are made. They don't want to see people talking about them. They don't want to see all these unboxings that everybody does. They really do want to see how the cigars the are made. They, they, they want to see someone in the field priming the leaves or stock cutting, however you do it. So I get caught up watching Christian Arroyo then just putting the cigar bands on oh, the cigar man. and yeah, yeah, it that, up. That's a, I can't, I can't killing it. His, his, I, that and him landing planes. Yeah, like, I, 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 cigar I, bands and landing planes. I mean, it's literally those two things. I'm like, come on, Christian, you could do I, it. I, I, I can't tell you. Like I said, so if, if you put a live video that was that was on for eight hours a day of just somebody putting cigar bands on, I would always have that playing in the background. Just something as simple as putting cigar bands yeah, on. It's, it's just it's mesmerizing to watch that someone do it with such proficiency and do it cigar after cigar after cigar putting bands on i think it also put, brings put, the attention that i think it brings attention to that in cigar making every every step and every process is hand, is done by hand right. and and it's very meticulous because when you look at a cigar you're like oh a cigar band and you're like oh you're trying to peel off the band you don't get it but when you see somebody sizing it up with a box putting it on and seeing them doing it with the speed and the dexterity but how everything is done every cigar and you're like 
I just smoked that cigar and that person put this band on my cigar that I'm smoking. It, it, it gives you that, in, that, that personal ten seconds, five that, seconds. That's what, that, that's what, that's what that tells you. Yeah. It, it connects me with that cigar just yep. a little bit. Jessica, when we were down at uh, El Titan de Bronze down in uh, um, uh, Cali Ocho, uh, down in Miami, uh, um, we were watching Sandy, uh, her mom, which is 98 years yes, old, putting yes. cigars in the boxes. And it was, and I just sat there and watched her. I could watch her for an hour, just putting the cigars in the boxes, making sure they were all lined up, putting that little ribbon on, and just, I, I just found that mesmerizing. Yeah. And, it's, and it's those little things. Yeah, like at, at J.C. Newman's factory, you know, just doing the tour, you see them with the, you know, putting the tobaccos through the machine and like drying well, them out, yes. keep moist. <laughs> You guys just so, give me an idea for a cigar a, 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 a series. Yes. Yeah, you know that that's it. You know, and then pepper that in with like other little things. But um, so that would be my, you know, so if someone from your marketing, if they want to watch that, you know, people really do have an insatiable appetite for watching just those little things. You know, because I said it just it connects us. You know, like box making, just you know, like box watching the screening of the box. You know, I, and, I, and and that's amazing. and that's a curious thing that you guys are saying that because uh, we take it for granted. Because we sweat yeah. constantly, yeah. Like we were, we are, and, and you notice that, and, and I've noticed when I'm giving a tour, right? And you say, "Oh, this is how you make cigars," and so that I close the bunching, and 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 you're ready to move to the next step, and yeah. everybody just stays there, actually, you know, looking at it. You just stay there. Well, that's one. That's two. That's three. That's four. That's five. And they can say, as you're saying, they can stay there for a long time, just looking at these people or the bunches and rollers, which, by the way, are the heart of the industry. Somebody yeah. tells you, Viejo, that the blender is, is king or the, the tobacco is king. Viejo, the kings of, of our industry is that team, that buncher mm -hmm. and that roller. Because at the end of the game, you can have the best tobacco in the world. You can have the best blend in the world, the best blend in the world. They're the ones who were finishing that cigar or making that yeah. blender, putting it together. So yeah. that's a good uh, it's, it's good advice. Appreciate it. I think the, the other key part is, too, is that you have... A lot of people who are not able to really go to a lot of events or a lot of things that are in their area for cigars they might have a, a very small lounge this really gets them to understand like how the cigars are made and where they come mm -hmm. from and like the faces behind the cigars i i think it's very educational as well so mm -hmm. it's a cool opportunity you know, we're Kevin and I and Care are very lucky. We've been able to do a lot of stuff, but there are people out there who just aren't able to. So it brings it into their home, kind of. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It. We we do an event every year uh, uh, the, um, at the uh, the FSG farm. So there's the only the only tobacco farm in Florida in Claremont, owned by Jeff Borshowitz, our sponsor, Corona Cigars, up on the screen right now. And people, he he uh, yeah, he leaves one row of tobacco you know, um, unplanted. And then everybody that attends that event, you get your little tobacco and you actually get to go out to the field of that row and you put your stick in, you get to plant your own tobacco, you know, tobacco plant. Everybody, that's just what everybody lives to do now. They're like, oh my God, we got to go to this event so we can plant our own. The tobacco in. Just, just, and just that's get like some the, free labor for the day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that, 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 that's it. <laughs> or or there's more I'm, damage done to the poor yeah. tobacco. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, just repile that line and put it on. And put it in again after they leave. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's yeah. it. So yeah, um, um, but yeah, I, and that's and I I love feeling that connection to to the 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 thing that I'm smoking. I you know because I mm-hmm. said we like you said we take it for granted that we know you know how all of this is made and like i said even even like i said me knowing how all of these made i'm still enthralled with the, the little things it's the finishing touches you know yeah, uh, of just just said i could watch jc newman machines all day yeah yeah, yeah they, they have their machines i i have been telling them for three years i'm t- this is the year i think they're <laughs> gonna put the live feed up i told them if, if they put a camera up a live feed on their machine assisted cigars you will have so many people tuning in and just having that on their background all day long, you know, just watching, watching those cigars made. So, yeah. So that would be my advice, your marketing team, if they're looking for content, because especially, I mean, talking, you know, any videos under a minute long, if you spend an hour in the factory or an hour in the fields, how many 59 second videos can can you get, you know, out of just one hour? Once a yeah, week, it's just, it, it's, just, it's just basically what you're saying. Just basically spend the whole have recording of an hour of each of the processes and then just break it down to where you just, you know, put it little by little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's it. So, so we're uh, uh we're, 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 com- we're, we're coming up towards the end of the show here. Um, what do you, uh, um, what, what is your, your personal, like, let's say five year goal, uh, not just for the company, but you personally. What, what, do you, what do you want to achieve? You know, it could be you personally within the company or the company itself. You know, what, what do you what do you want to achieve in, in, the, in the next, say, three to five years? World domination. Yeah. With Matilde. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I like to put Matilde as many places as possible. Hey, one of the goals that we have, obviously, is bringing more awareness towards Matilde. And uh, we are uh, focusing a lot also, besides the States and Europe, we want to grow a little bit more in Europe. Uh, my brother lives in Europe, and I want him to start pushing the cigars uh, towards a European market. Uh, besides that, uh, I mean, long, long, long-term goals. I'd love to go back into some sort of, of manufacturing. I want to say five years will be a 10-year plan or something like that. So I have some type of manufacturing facility, but where we just make special projects. Uh, our core line is always going to keep with our core lines with our, our, our key manufacturing partners. But have a place where, let's say, like one of the dreams that I've always had is setting up a manufacturing facility where people can come, as we had in La Romana, but in the colonial zone in the Dominican Republic. The colonial zone is the oldest city in the Americas. It's where Christopher Columbus you know, set up, and uh, it's still there. So having like one of those old buildings, set oh, up wow. like a small manufacturing facility where you have, you know, three teams, like you know, three, four teams. And just have, you know, make a couple hundred thousand cigars a year, but just special productions where people can come in, see the process of manufacturing, how they're traveling or you're coming to visit. Because at the end of the game, we, we, we're, we're a tourist country. That's our main business, right? Yeah. And we're known for tourism. We're known for our beaches, for our cigars or for our rum. So if I would have the opportunity to set up a small factory manufacturing facility in this place where people are walking and say, oh, you know, let me stop by Matilda. It's great for marketing. It's great for people to actually get to know cigars. Because one of the things that you do get, uh, and it's just sharing the knowledge and sharing the wealth of, of cigars and cigar manufacturing, is that uh, the reaction that I got the most when uh, we had the, the tour in La Romana was, it was always a group of people, right? 
But within those group of people, there were five non-smokers and two smokers, two hardcore smokers, right? They wanted to go. There was always two answers. The first one from the smokers was like, this should be $100 a sick. How can you make them so cheap? Because, and, and, and take it for granted, you're only seeing like the small process of the manufacturing. You're not seeing, you know, the, the, the seed, the farm, the curing, the fermenting, all these things that go within it, right? But only when you're going, when you're seeing like from the moment we start manufacturing, the quality control measures that you take, the hands that go through it, how hard it is to make a cigar. Sit somebody to make a cigar. Ask them to do, give them 10 chances. It's a bunch of cigar. I had fucking a thousand chances. They told me, go back to management, sir. You can't do this, right? <laughs> and, uh, but if you're able to show that to people, people say, oh, yeah, they should be more accessible. And those that did not smoke cigars and had no idea what cigars were, they would automatically say, Cunha, I get it now. It's This is not tobacco. It is tobacco, but it's not cigarettes. It's not freaking machine-made. It's, it's an art form. And that's something that, that we need to profess and need to tell everybody from the top of our lungs. Our industry, even though it's tobacco, it's 100%, it's 100 art form. It's industrialized art because we're an industry, but it's 100% handmade. And the more people that are actually able to see it and experience it, as they go into a place and see how it's made and see how many people touches, how many hands, uh, how many souls it touches and families it touches, uh, the more, the better the industry is going to be by itself. Mm. So what better way to do that, that setting up a, a natural functioning factory, a small factory where people that don't smoke cigars, which is going because of curiosity and check it out. I say, Konya, man, go on, yeah, let's do the tour. Come on, I'll show you, pop up and show the processes. And, 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 and anybody that goes into a factory becomes an ambassador, ambassador towards yeah. cigars or ambassador towards the brand. So it's a double thing, right? But they're always going to be an ambassador towards cigars. And, and I assure you that they say, oh, no, no, they somebody compares Viejo cigars to cigarettes. Like, no, 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 I wasn't a factory. Not like that. Not like that at all. And everybody's going to become an ambassador. If they you, the process is shown, as you were saying, Kevin, if it's shown on TV, <laughs> it's beautiful. But they see it in person. It's even better. So that's one of the goals that uh, that I have and Matilde hopefully grow enough where I can have a second or a third manufacturing facility, which is just to make smaller projects, but also to show people when they're walking by, seeing, say, when you want to stop by, check it out, see what we're made, see, see what we are, see what Dominican Republic is made about, see what tobacco is made about, see what the cigar industry is. Because uh, if people are not cigar smokers, we're misplaced and uh, cigars are just a misconception that, you know, it's tobacco. It's not yeah. bad. It's beautiful. I've always said cigars give you 10 minutes of life. Stress kills. An hour smoke vehicle gives an extra, an extra 10 minutes of life. Just prolongs your life. You're less stressed. You just keep on living. Just keep on smoking cigars. Yeah. <clears throat> Perfect. Yeah. You, you, you heard the man. Just keep on smoking cigars. It'll, on smoking. It'll, it'll extend your life. So, all right, Enrique, thank you so much. I can't believe it's been almost two hours already. It has really? been uh, th wow. th this time. Yeah. I know time has flown flown right by. So, thank you for coming on, spending uh, a couple hours of your Monday night with us. Uh, Care any uh, any final uh, uh, questions uh, for for our guest tonight? No, I would greatly appreciate the time. What a great story, and and much luck and success and great fortune, you know, to the uh, to you and and the. Uh, the family and 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 the business i mean it's it's tough but i've i've smoked your cigars are fantastic and you know uh you know this is uh this is a great show appreciate it awesome thank you very much thanks for having me 
and uh, happy to be back anytime, guys. Oh, and thank I'll take you very that, much. I'll take, it, I'll take that into account, Kevin. Don't be yeah. surprised. Yeah, I'll, send you know, you, I'll, it, I'll, I'll send you some royalties on ideas. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and and, and if, if anybody from your marketing department ever has any questions, you know, like I said, I, I, I've been doing the social media thing for a long time. You have my email address. You have my phone number. Please feel free to give give them my number. I'm always willing to talk, will, willing to help out anybody, whether it's hashtag research, whether it's content ideas. Please give them my number. I'm always willing to chat with them. And Kevin's got if, the secret if, sauce, buddy. I'll tell you that. I, you got the I, secret I, sauce, bro. I, I, that 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 I yeah, I've, I've seen. I seem to have figured it out. So I, I'm always willing to share. So definitely reach out. I appreciate. It. I'll take it. And when you guys anytime to the Maker Republic, just let me know. I'll host you anytime, any day. Oh, perfect. So, great. All right. You have a great night. All right. All right, thanks, guys. Take See you. Welcome. Uh, next week, we, we mentioned it earlier, uh, we'll have uh, John Kearney of uh, LFD Cigars to the show. Um, uh, well, I mean, John, I mean, he only lives like an hour away. So maybe what, you know, some of these guests, you know, we'll have them live Finally. on. The, oh, yeah. yeah, we'll be able to have them live on the show when, uh, when we get them, uh, when we get the new lounge set up. So it'll be super, super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, make sure you're following Cigar Prop Producer Jessica Caravia Hunt of Stogie Road Cigars. Also, uh, our, our guest tonight, Matilde to Cigars. All the links are, uh, the social media links are in the show notes down below. If you're listening to this on the podcast, they are in uh, uh, the podcast notes as, as well. Um, and once again, thank you for all of our partners that help us out making this show um, happen each and every week. So thank you, JC Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amendola Cigars. We are the muscle. Jake Wyatt Cigars, Illusione Cigars, Deep in Flavor, Deep in Your Mind, K by Karen Burger Cigars. Make sure you check that email link as well. If you're in Florida, get your free K by Karen Burger Florida Passport, um, Corona Cigar, and of course, Drew Estate and Experience Acid. Care? Well, actually, before, before we let Care say his final thoughts, remember two nights from now, Wednesday, we're going to be holding a, uh, a special show, an impromptu night live with Omar DeFrias. We're going to be talking about vice versa. So uh, you can get vice versa uh, at uh, bsrcigarfam.com. It's scrolling on your uh, on the bottom of your screen right now. And you can also get them at trashpandascigars.com as, as well. We have them in stock. Care has them in stock. Um, if you're watching this uh, a couple weeks from now and we're out, definitely go to fratellocigars.com. And uh, they do have a, a retail finder specifically for the vice versa. Yep. So, um, It'll be, it'll be an exciting show. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, that was actually what I was going to announce. I, was, I, I thought you forgot about it. It was Wednesday night. Looking forward to uh, hanging out with Omar and, and actually being able to smoke the vice versa because the last time it was so great hearing about it, I felt like I was uh, shortchanged. I couldn't enjoy the cigar while he was dis you know, describing and discussing everything. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear a little bit more about the uh, uh, the, the the cigar. I mean, I know a little bit about it, but uh, it's been a couple of years now, so a lot of uh, a lot of factories, a lot of iterations, and it, it's finally out there. So by vice versa, after Wednesday, then there's a problem. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be compelling. It's gonna be convincing. I tell you, when I smoked it, I smoked it four different ways. There are four different ways to smoke it. Um, and if you get an opportunity, get on the website, check your retailer to see if you, if there's any available and come join us on Wednesday. Yeah, perfect. All right. We'll see everybody. Uh, uh, if we don't see you on Wednesday, we'll see you back here next Monday. Um, same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>